This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, Connor Wanderers coming back at you right now. We're doing this today. It has been a weird week for me. A little later than I wanted to get to this show. Uh, but I had a sick baby. The first time having a sick baby is not lit. Nothing crazy, just a little stomach bug, little little breast milk puke all over the place. Some um, pretty aggressive poops. But other than that, we're good. She's back to normal now. She's smiling and giggling and doing her thing. I mean, she handled it really. She handled it so well. I have, we're so lucky, man. This first kid. And I know a lot of the, you out there that are parents of multiple children will say, oh, you just wait till that second one comes around. That little fucker will ruin your life. And I have zero doubts that you are 1,000% correct about that. Um, but this one's easy. This one's been really easy. So we'll see. When she was sick and she was feeling a little better, we don't really watch a lot of TV with her. She doesn't have like kids' TV shows. But we do let her watch stuff. Like when we're watching, especially if it's something that's not super stimulating, like she watched um, a lot of The Last Kingdom with me. Uh, great show, by the way. Um, stuff like that. I mean, she saw some pretty aggressive violence, but, uh, you know, that's fine. There was, she's going to be living in like a dystopian hellscape, so I figured that stuff. We might as well just get get started early with um, the violence. You know what I mean? Just becoming comfortable with like maybe having to spear someone. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, when she was kind of sick, I was like, well, we were just kind of cooped up all day trying to deal with this. So I put on some CrossFit and I put on uh, Olympic volleyball, beach volleyball, which was really fun. She actually really enjoyed the volleyball, which is great. And we bought her a couple little bitty like mini volleyballs uh, the other day. So I don't know why I get so hyped. And this is the funny thing about me and Kelly. Like Kelly's very much the planner in our relationship. And I'm very much like the live in the moment, fly by the seat of my pants. And it it works out. It's definitely causes contention sometimes, but it works out for the most part. And it's better for both of us that way. Uh, That being said, when it comes to row, I think about the future all the time. (laughs) like what I wanted to have the opportunities to do and like how I want to set ourselves up for that. And, and just more how I can structure my life to provide her the best set of opportunities that I can and to become the best, most well-adjusted and, and, and functioning adult that I can possibly create, um, with my set of skills, whatever they are. Uh, so I think about that stuff a lot. Kelly very much like lives in the moment with the baby. She's like today, tomorrow, next week. And that's about where she goes. And I'm already thinking about everything else. Um, so it's funny. It's just like funny to see that all take shape, but I was bringing up the last kingdom and I thought about this when I was watching the last kingdom and I watched the movie, I'd recommend it. It's, it's better TV. It like made it with a, like a fraction of the budget of game of Thrones, made game of Thrones look real stupid. Um, all that being said, I'm also reading this book called the end is always near by Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin is the host of the Hardcore History Podcast, one of the best podcasts on the face of the planet, one of the best radio voices I've ever heard in my entire life. Huge fan of Dan Carlin, so much respect for him. And I'm reading this book, The End is Always Near, and it kind of zooms out. One thing I love about Dan Carlin, and I think about this with history a lot, is that he allows the space to kind of zoom out, right? Like in the beginning of this book, and I'm not that far into it, I'm in like chapter two, um, he talks about how we view child abuse versus how 
other civilizations operating in their reality viewed child abuse, like beating children, the kind of like the, and I don't mean like giving kids spankings, but like beating children was like a normal thing and viewed as like a healthy part of creating a, a well-adjusted adult, right? Which we don't think about life in that way anymore. And he was kind of pontificating on this, this, this quote you hear all the time, right? Like, like hard times make strong men, strong men make easy times, easy times make uh, weak men. And the cycle continues and weak men make bad times or whatever, you know, the whole, you know, the, you know, the thing, right. Um, which is fucking stupid. Like that's, it's a fun quote. You know what I mean? It's a fun, like idea. It's a little, whatever, like a little tagline, like a little inspirational meme, but it's fucking stupid because easy times also give us the iPhones that you're sharing that meme on, right? Like easy times create innovation in a lot of ways. When you have the space, right to wonder about things and be curious. Like curiosity isn't really bolstered in a, in a, an environment of hard times. Um, and that's just how it goes. Like that is what it is, right? Like you're focused on the task at hand, which is, there's some beauty in that, but it takes a balance, it takes cycles. It takes a give and take. I think the ideal way of looking at life is like having enough space and privilege to think about things and zoom out and take time for yourself and like, evaluate what you have going on and things like that with also, and a lot of times you have to do this. We have to manufacture this for ourselves, but have like productive struggles in your life, right? Things you have to struggle through hard things that develop character and develop uh, a robust personality. And a lot of times they develop a sense of humor, like getting through things that are productive and life's going to throw things at you oftentimes that you don't want, that you probably don't need. Like I went through some things as a kid that most kids shouldn't have to go through. And my daughter will not have to go through I hope, Right. Um, and I do everything I can to make that the case, but also want to like engineer in her life, some struggles that she'll have to go through to develop a character. But to think about it in such a reductionist way, and we're going to talk about that quite a bit on the show today, is just like this reductionist view and like taking that as like a mantra to live by. Uh, because if you think about hard times, like the bubonic plague was a hard time, right? World War II was a hard time, right? And that created some strong men, certainly, and a bunch of PTSD and a bunch of piles of dead bodies, right? Like it's these, it, 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 there's way more to it than that. But when I think about it and we think about zooming out in these cycles and how we need cycles of easy and hard and easy and hard, that, 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 that helps us out. It's like, um, the way somebody works with steel, right? You cool it, you heat it, you cool it, you heat it. And it creates a stronger steel. So I think that that's, there is something to that, but I think there's much more to it that we can like dig into and, and, and play with. But when you zoom out and think about those cycles of hard and easy and hard and easy, and then you look at the um, scale of humanity. And I've seen more and more of this as I've gotten into like, um, ancient histories and different stuff and what people had the ability to do. And I, at this point believe that it's very unlikely that we are the greatest civilization that's ever existed. Right? Cause if you think about it, if you, if you just, again, zoom out, what artifacts do we leave, right? What artifacts do we leave? What are we going to find? Building stuff? It's like, we don't, I don't know. I think we get, we've, we've developed things that I'm, I'm pretty sure other civilizations couldn't do. And I'm also relatively sure, right? I would bet on this, that other, other civilizations, maybe the ones that built the pyramids, maybe the ones that stack stones in ways that look like they were molded together. Like maybe those civilizations knew how to do things we couldn't do. Clearly they did because we can't recreate that now with our level of technology. So I think we have a little bit of um, 
present time hubris. And I think those people may have thought, Hey, we're the, we're the pinnacle of, of, of human civilization. We are most definitely not right. If you think about it and it's like, well, 200 years ago or a thousand years ago or 2000, I'm not talking about 2000 years ago, I'm talking about 50, a hundred thousand years ago, maybe longer. Cause we really don't know. And we have to be un- we have to be so comfortable to think about what we don't know. A good example of this to loop this back into the last kingdom is thinking about what was going on in what would become England, right? The most magnificent buildings in England were not built by the English or the Danes or the Saxons. The stuff they built was shit. The best stuff was created by Rome. They could not even maintain the infrastructure that was built by Rome in those territories before the fall of Rome. They didn't even have that. They didn't have the ability to even manage it, much less recreate it. And so that's what I'm talking about, but on a tiny scale, right? That's over a few hundred years versus being a few hundred thousand years, a few, you know, 10, 30, 40, 50,000 years. Who knows? Who really knows? Like people don't still don't understand what the pyramids were for or how they were built. And the thing is, if you go back to that time and you're like, I'm going to jump in a time machine, I'm getting in my DeLorean and punch it to 88 and we're going to go see what the fuck's going on here. You would watch that and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because of the way that we look at things and you think like, well, we have a certain filter on our perspective, on our perception of the world. We have a filter on that that's developed by our experience. So I think a lot of these things were easily explained, but we don't have the context to explain them, right? The, the level of symmetry that was achieved, that sure as fuck wasn't done with hammers and chisels. That doesn't make any sense. Something was going on, right? Something was going on. We don't know what that is. So I think we need to be a little bit more humble about where we are on the timeline of human existence. And maybe get more comfortable with the fact that there's a lot more resets in this thing than we think. And maybe we're fucking due for one. I think they've happened in a variety of different ways, floods, fire, whatever, right? That's led to this mythology that you see manifest itself in current religions. But I think we'll probably just do it by blowing each other up. That seems to be the way it's going to go. And then in 20,000 years, it'll be, you know, somebody will find a landfill and think it's crazy. Like, oh, there's some pottery. <laughs> it's a fucking lamp. Like, who knows, man? It's weird, but it's so. It's also so fun to think of yourself as that small. I think it's beautiful to think of yourself as that small. Like, it's wild. And you see some of these things, these, like, buildings built out of these mountains. That It's just, it's just astonishing. And if you take off your kind of, like, aware, your present hubris, right? Take off those goggles of present hubris and look at it. You go, wow, maybe we don't know shit, right? Maybe we don't have a goddamn clue. And that might give you anxiety. Or it might make you think, man, humanity is fucking crazy. Life is crazy. It can just go in so many different directions, right? It's like the roots of a tree, just like, depending on where you start, what you see, how you experience. Like, I think in our own lives, the perspective that we have and the perception that we have of the world is developed by our experience. But outside of that, if we zoom out, where we are as a species and, and, and culturally, all these things are developed by the experiences had over the past 10, 20, 30, 100,000 years. Who knows? 
And maybe you completely restarted, and that's why we have all these random marvels that we get to see. I don't know. It's a trip, though. I love thinking about that shit. It's so cool. But that's my, um, you know, random 10 minutes at the first <laughs> episode of what, what's on my brain today. What I want to talk about a little bit more, though, is this Durham report. Now, we're not getting into the politics of this. It's been a, relatively evident for a long time that this Russia-Trump collusion thing was absolutely absurd. Made no sense. Wasn't real. Was manufactured. Was a bunch of lies. Right, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but here Matt Tavy says, the same culture that celebrates the bugging of the Watergate as the archetypal corruption story won't blink at the portrait of political spying painted in the Durham report. Now, a lot of people saying that the Durham report is just a wet fart and doesn't say anything, but you know those people watch Rachel Maddow, and she's been talking about this shit for three years and lying to her audience and disrespecting her audience by manufacturing bullshit. So the question is, what does this mean for you, right? Because that's what that's what we all actually give a fuck about. What does this mean for you? So I want to just put some things out there. The response to nine eleven was objectively worse than nine eleven. What we did in the Middle East following nine eleven, right? That we have to take responsible responsibility for as Americans, honestly, is nine eleven times. 10, a hundred, like it's absurd to innocent people, just as innocent as the people who were in the world trade center that day, the response on top of spending $6 trillion for what? So the Taliban could win the response to nine 11, right? Also going to Iran or Iraq and Afghanistan. When the hijackers came from Saudi Arabia, none of this makes any sense. The response to nine 11 was worse than nine 11. The response to COVID was worse than COVID. I'm not going to get into any more of that because it'll get me shadow banned and all these other things, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. The response to Donald Trump was worse than Donald Trump. I'm not a Donald Trump fan. You guys know that. I also don't think that he's the next Hitler. And neither was Saddam Hussein. And these people that we, Khashoggi, none of these people were actually what we said they were. We funded these people and gave them weapons, right? And even the same thing. If, 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 the, if the Democrats thought that, that, that Trump was the next Hitler, then why did they increase the military budget while he was president, right? And didn't try, do anything to try to curtail the powers of the executive branch because it was theater. The response was worse. It degraded trust in institutions, right? It made us hate each other. The response was worse than anything Trump actually did, which was basically normal Republican shit and mean tweets. So who fucking cares, right? The response was worse. So what does that say for us, right? For me and you, normal, everyday fucking people, right? Well, I think what it says is that you shouldn't be reliant on the whims, right? And be manipulated by the incentives of centralized authority. Because it seems that they're operating in a different reality than we are, right? You want to put food on the table. You want to save a little money. You want to have a good time. You want to live a good life. Maybe that's what they want to do too, but it doesn't seem that way. It seems that there's a handful of people that get off on telling you what and how to think. I think that's wildly inappropriate. 
But if we look at these whole thing, this whole gestalt here, it's quite absurd to believe a fucking thing these people say. Right? These are the same organizations that have been all but proven to have killed the President of the United States. It's insane. And nobody outside of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has anything to say about it when it comes to curtailing their powers. Right now, the GOP still wants to give the Pentagon more money as if we're at war. Now, we're in a proxy war. That's absurd for a sliver of Ukraine, which makes no sense in the world. But hey, neither did Iraq and Afghanistan. But here we are. And so I think about this and I'm like, what? What does this say? And how do we live? You know, like, how, like this is because this stuff matters this is where our tax money is going. We're kind of responsible for some of this shit. And we need to take responsibility for it, too. And I don't think the response to this should be more patriotism. So it's strange. It's like a strange situation to be in, to find yourself here where you're like, this is our country. But as long as I've been alive, this is what our country has been. And then you want me to be patriotic over a fictionalized history? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Why, do I have, why would we have any allegiance to this in any way? Right? Like, with the number of atrocities from the assassination of JFK forward, Vietnam, Cambodia, and on to where we are now, those things were done under the American flag. The expansion of NATO, like instigating other wars, regime change, coups, these were done under the banner of the American flag. And so, excuse me if I feel a little conflicted about overt patriotism. Like, yeah, what, what the Founding Fathers were about was great, for the most part. Let's not get too carried away here, because there was some weird shit that was going on there, too. But, a lot of things start off with good intentions, and end up being tyrannical. And it's hard for me not to think of the United States as a tyrannical force on the, on the, on the globe. It seems at this point, like, we'd rather burn the motherfucker down, than have a multipolar, multipolar society. Globally. Which is odd to me. But what does that mean for us? I keep coming back to this. What does it mean for us? And I think the response is just to not give a fuck. Like it's as as weird as it is. Like you got to keep a tabs on what's going on. But damn. How? And I think that even comes like part of that is taking off this veil of patriotism. I think the most patriotic thing you can do right now is be critical of the United States of America. And I don't mean be critical of Democrats or, or Republicans. I mean of the hubris and overreach globally of the country you're a part of. It's not the greatest country in the world. It's not the best country in the world. Those are facts. I know that Charlie Kirk will be upset to hear that, but it's not. It's an amazing place and could be much better and could be an absolute leader on the global stage. But due to our hubris, we've people have zero respect for us. People are running away from the dollar. 
And we've, 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 we've created more war than peace. And if that's the country that you want to be proud of, then okay. But don't blame me for not. Do not blame me for not. I don't know. It conflicts me, man. It conflicts me. I, I just I keep thinking about that. I'm like, this is just a shit show. I mean, what happened with Trump? What happened with Bernie Sanders just in the past handful of years? Like, it's it's. I don't understand how the Democratic Party has a, has a, a foot to stand on when it comes to democracy, when they don't even allow democracy in their own political party. You think they're gonna you think they're gonna be the um, arbiters of that nationally? No. It's absurd. They think half the country's white supremacists. You know? And then on the other side, the, we're going to get into this, the Republicans think half the country's demonic. And people like J.P. Sears are out here saying that if you don't believe in God, his God, not any God, not God, but Christian God, white beard God, then you're evil. So we have this guy telling people to hate their neighbors. Why is that? Who wins there? So maybe what it is, what we need to do is not, not, not give a fuck, right? It's to be really selective with the fucks that we give, right? I give a fuck about my neighbors. My neighbors over here across the drainage, right? Erica and Rob, great people. Could not be further apart politically from what I'm assuming, right? Could not have different views. Fucking love them to death. Love them to death. I like my neighbors that I disagree with politically. And I'm not going to tell anybody in the fucking world to feel any different way about their literal neighbors or their family. And you should be able to have a good time with it. So maybe we just got to have a lot of discernment on where our fucks go. And maybe that isn't um, outrage at Target or Bud Light. I don't know. I don't know, but we can move on. <laughs> I had very few notes on where that was going to go. But um, it's weird. It's just where I'm at. I just keep, and maybe that's quality content, and maybe it's bullshit. But we'll move on here. I got something else, something else that we're going to talk about. Got this meme. I'm going to read it off for you. From Trad West. So I, um, I jumped on Twitter every now and then. I actually deleted Instagram off my phone, and when I do that, I end up getting on Twitter, which is better for the show. So better content comes your way. I need to spend more time on Twitter and burn Instagram to the ground. But I see some fun memes on there, and I follow like the um, there's like this trend with trad traditional wives and traditional living and trad life, which I kind of dig. It's also like cringy as fuck, right? Like I get I get what you're saying, and I think that that's really cool. I think a lot of people are also just like grifting on that and it's not that way at all. I mean, you can't be that trad when you're filming something on your fucking iPhone. Let's be real. Like Amish people are trad, right? Like that's, that's a traditional, you want to be trad, go be Amish, right? Especially if you're religious, like they seem to have, they'll outlive us all, right? They've got a, a way better situation when it comes to being trad, like barn raisings and shit. It's wild. But anyways, I shared this meme. I've seen this a bunch of times. Um, Dan Crenshaw also shared something like this, which was really dumb. But Dan Crenshaw hasn't said anything intelligent in a couple years, maybe. Anyways, moving on here. It says, saving the environment, in quotes. And it's a field, like a massive, like thousands of acres of uh, solar panels. And then it says, ruining the environment. And it shows some cows by a barn that are actually not even actually in that field. They're photoshopped into that (laughs) into this photo. <laughs> Those cows actually aren't even standing there. They're photoshopped into a photo of a barn. 
So what they're saying here is that solar panels covering up all this ground is it's it's uh, hypocritical to it's saving the environment while the cows are ruining the environment. Which yes, I think the idea that cows are like causing climate change and all that shit and that carbon cycling doesn't exist is propaganda and lies and stupid. I think the best thing we can do for the environment, and I don't think about climate. Like climate isn't my thing. I'm not like, oh, it's the climate, it's this. That's too arbitrary. I think about the environment, the shit that we live in day to day, the things we breathe in, things we put in our body. That's what I think about. Let's bring it that, let's localize that. What's your air quality like? What's your water like? We want to think, people that want to talk about the climate all the time want you to be distracted by the climate, something that moves slowly, that has kind of arbitrary effects, that, you, that may or may not, they've been saying that this is going to, there's going to be an ice age, there's going to be global, they've been saying this shit, same shit for 50 fucking, 60 fucking years. It doesn't make any sense. Now, are we having an impact on the climate because of driving a bunch of cars and shit? Yeah, I'm sure that's not super helpful. Let's just be real, right? I don't think the world was kind of geared up for that. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that plastic in the ocean is a fucking problem. Chemicals and toxins in our water is a problem. Low quality air, break dust in the air if you live near a highway, is a problem. These are all real things that we can actually do something about, but instead we focus on something that's so big and so obscure and so obtuse that it's very, like, you might influence it by .005 degrees over the next hundred years. When we can put all those resources into cleaning fucking plastic out of the ocean that we created, it may, the, 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 the misalignment there is insane. That's why I like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because he talks about the environment more than the climate, which is objectively more important. But these memes, you see these memes coming out, and like, oh, this is this is gross. Look at all these solar panels ruining the 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 skyline, ruining the landscape. And look at these peaceful cows. Right. First off, these cows aren't in a feedlot, but most cows live the majority of their life, eighty percent or so, on grass, and they get moved to a feedlot, fattened up for the last couple months and then slaughtered unless you get grass-fed grass-finished beef which is great or if you hunt your own food which is even better now if we think about this right here this solar field i'm gonna bring up a few other things that could fit in that same box here is an oil spill in the ocean not lit not lit a lot of people will say well oil is actually how we save the environment does it seem to be the case there moving on here Oh, wait, here we go. Here's an island of trash floating in the ocean. An island of trash. Can we put that on the meme? Does that go on the meme? These people that are very pro-Western civilization, can we put that on the meme for something? No? Okay, moving on. Oh, here's an oil field that looks very similar. It's funny how, how similar this sea of pumping units is to the sea of solar panels. Not a, not a blade of grass to be seen. Oh, there's some bushes back there in the back. There's some bushes there. Now, the oil field I grew up in did not have this density of pumping units and did this density of wells. I don't understand why there's that many wells. They must just have a really juicy zone right here, and they're just pumping the shit out of it. But I don't really – I've never seen this many. I think I've seen more, maybe five or six pumping units in one general like area of recovering like an acre. But this is dozens, and it just keeps going. And there's more and more like this. There's a lot of how they do it in California. I think these are like really deep wells as well, but I don't, I don't really know all the details. But this is a lot of oil wells in one area, and not much can happen here. There's not much that can go on here, right? So you think about that. Oil spills in the ocean ruin local economies, local fishing, um, uh, fishing guides and things like that. 
Uh, people that rely on sea life to create a living for themselves destroys that. Plastic in the ocean does the same thing to all in, to, to varying degrees in different industries as well. People that d- rely on these things, right? And it's 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 insane. But if you go ahead and look, and it's like, okay, well, solar is so bad for all these reasons. Here we have a little flock of sheep just grazing with some solar panels in the back. They're in a solar farm. There's a right-of-way right through the middle there. And these sheep are just hanging out and grazing. And just like a tree or something like that, these sheep, when it gets hot, will go lay down under these solar panels and they'll exist. So this is an interesting thing because you look at this, right? And I've dealt with like oil leaks and saltwater leaks and stuff like that in the oil field. And it sucks. It kills everything. It's not fun. Every now and then a a cow will get caught up in a pumping unit and the weights and get ripped to pieces, which is not that big of a deal really. It's one cow, but like it's a pain in the ass. And the ranchers hate it. And every time that happens, it's like a prized uh, world-class piece of cattle. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like just another cow. It's like, no, that was the special cow. It's worth at least $10,000 more, uh, which is always funny to watch the pumper and the oil field people like get into it with the ranchers over like how much a cow is worth. It's hilarious. Uh, they should just like fight to the death over it. It's really funny. But anyways, you can do a lot with these areas, right? You get a lot of sun exposure. You can graze animals on them, Right. Animals don't have a lot of issues living out there, okay? And the same thing with solar fields, right? They do kill birds. That's not a that's not a, a myth. They do kill um, e- hawks and eagles and stuff like that. That sucks. But just like Thomas Sowell says, which conservatives love to like elicit the the words of Thomas Sowell without really like applying them to their own life. There's no solutions. There's just trade offs. So maybe when it comes to this, right, we need to, because I think everybody has is so has been told to be so steadfast as oil and gas is the way or solar and wind is the way or nuclear is the way. It's going to take a robust and varied adjustment to sustain the way that we live. Because the way that we live is unsustainable. That's the thing, right? That's the thing. It's like the way we live is unsustainable. So we need to change the way we do things to sustain our way of living. And the tug of war is over that, but nobody really wants to have that conversation. And it's odd to me, right? Because the same people that think oil and gas is the way also praise innovation, but seems to think that we can't innovate our way away from oil and gas. And not that we ever, we need, we need oil and gas for a lot of other reasons besides driving around. And I think the idea of going all electric is not consequence for either. It's trade-offs, right? It's absolutely trade-offs. One other thing I wanted to show is a strip mine, though. Must have not pulled that up. A strip mine, same thing. When they strip mine for cobalt, it's not consequence-free. What we can do and should do is create a robust, varied response, in my opinion, and make sure that people are not being exploited without compensation for the resources we need to move forward. But that's just not the way that humanity has worked, right? If we zoom out, the have-nots get exploited so the haves can have what they have. And that's fucked. And if it's so, it doesn't speak much to our society that that's the way that we live, right? If you go watch the show uh, Trafficked with Mariana Van... Mariana Ventiller? Mariana's her name. I forget her last name. But uh, Trafficked on National Geographic. I think you can watch it on Hulu. Um, you can stream it. Streaming's gotten out of hand, but you can stream it. Um, 
She talks about trafficking oil and gas and like underground refineries in the Congo. Like the Congo is a very uh, resource rich place. It's also full of corruption and exploitation. But these people will just siphon off crude oil and refine it themselves in a really like janky way. Super dangerous and sketch. But that's why it happens because these people are being exploited in the same way that the United States exploited most of South America and Cuba, which led to them becoming communist. But we can't take responsibility for our part in that because it's the evils of the communists, right? It's not the, it, it, it can't, it could not be the God fearing angels that live in the United States, the home of the red, white, and blue, right? Couldn't be that. Could, that we could have, we can't have anything to do with it. So it's wild to see this, right? You see this meme here, this solar field meme with these cattle. And you're like, oh man, come to find out they're not mutually exclusive. Cattle can graze in solar farms. Sheep can graze in solar farms. If the panels are high enough and spread out enough, you can do a lot with that. You, don't think you, can, you, could, you could raise quail and pheasant in a solar farm. You can do all kinds of stuff. And I don't understand why we can't have a nuanced conversation. We have to be siloed into these camps. And again, this manufactured pretend reasons to hate each other over things where productive dialogue is the preferred and really easily attainable method to solving these problems. It's wild to see that. Wild to see. Now, I wanted to play something here, speaking of exactly what we're speaking of here. From Brett and Heather, or Brett, Brett Weinstein, 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 and Heather Hay, Hang. God, I'm blowing it with names. But I was listening to their podcast. I don't listen to their podcast a lot, but I was listening to this, this one because it popped up, and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to this in a while. I kind of wanted to mix things up. A little palate cleanser, a little Brett and Heather to palate cleanse here. And they were talking about um, the trans issue, which I don't get into a ton, right? I'm actually really excited. I don't know why people are boycotting Target, and I don't care. Like, that's brings me joy to not know why people are boycotting target. Like that's to me, that's like, that's a, that's a, a marker, a symbol of my mental health improving is not knowing what the fuck is going on with target and trans stuff or something else. I think there was something else that did like a drag queen thing. And I'm going to play golf later. (laughs) That's, that's what my day is. And that feels beautiful to me. And maybe I can be an inspiration to you. To just not know. But anyways, they're bringing this up. And this has a broader point here. But this came around with the the, uh, the press secretary saying that children aren't your children. They're our children. They're everyone's children. Which is, and this is about the trans issue, which could be perceived in a handful of different ways. Now, what Brett and Heather do here, I feel like, is a really masterful job of explaining how that is perceived. And digging a little deeper, and we'll dig a little deeper on their digging after this clip. Let's go. From a blue believer's perspective, mm-hmm. here's what happened. The press secretary said something actually just noble and normal, something everybody understood two years ago. And the conservatives are so crazy that they actually thought it was demonic, right? So what she said was, the children are all our responsibility, 
right? That's not the exact quote, but that's what people who are New York Times readers will have heard. These are our kids. They belong to all of us. They belong to all that's of us. Actually, My point is the they yeah. belong to all of us is the most beautiful Mott and Bailey I've ever seen, <laughs> right? Yeah. There is an interpretation of they belong to all of us that is so obvious and so fundamental to the way a civilization works that no reasonable person could possibly disagree with it. And in the present context, if you say the children belong to all of us, well, not my fucking kids. You keep your hands off them, right? So it is simultaneously both. the both. most obvious thing in the world and the most aggressive attack on children you can imagine. And so both sides, you know, the press secretary says it. She gets exactly what she wants. And whoever wrote that phrase, they get exactly what they want, where the home team just like, yeah, of course. And then the conservatives go, you can't possibly mean that. And then the blue team goes, What's wrong with those people? Are they really so crazy they don't understand that we have an obligation to children, right? right. So yep. it's No, and that's why I, that's why I started. Right. right. Yeah. So anyway, my point is just okay, everybody. Can we stop being played by these assholes? They're not on any of our teams. <laughs> yes. Right? These yes. people yes. are about their own power and what they're doing is they're using children. They are cynically using children, completely indifferent to the harm done to them to divide us. Right, They are using children to divide civilization so that they can play their fucking political games and they can win their power and they can sell it to their real constituents that have nothing to do with voters. Right, This is not about us. And so it is really important that we remember that, A, yes, children are our collective responsibility. Mm -hmm. The primary mechanism through which we honor that responsibility is through parents, right? This is generally simple. In general, one's parents has their own children's interests at heart, and we can trust them to make the judgment calls. We are now manipulating parents and telling them they don't understand, and basically we are we are pulling a you know the same kind of coup that public health pulled on medicine, right? Civilization is now pulling on parents and it is telling them you don't have the right to do what's right for your kid. Yeah, no, and, the, and teachers are acting like the doctors who were captured by ideolo ideological nonsense during the pandemic. Right, everybody is because everybody yeah. lives in fear of being on the wrong side of history, which... So let's think about that for a second. I thought that was really astute as Brett and Heather tend to be. But she comes out and says... There are children, there's everybody, they're everybody's children, whatever. And both sides got exactly what they wanted. Got exactly what they wanted. Again, Team Blue, Team Democrat said, yeah, you know what? It's our responsibility as a society for to create a healthy environment for children. And the Republican said, you're trying to take our kids away and teach them this and that and do whatever and gender theory and critical race theory and brainwashing and pedophiles, whatever, right? And they knew that was going to be the response. They knew that was going to be the response when they fucking said it. Whoever wrote that, that was such a great quote because it got exactly the response they want. They want those people outraged. They want those people to hate those people. They want those people to cheer. And that's going to create all the fodder on Twitter from all the other folks. And the result is what? The result is we all lose when we're this divided and have this much outward hatred towards one another. And we have people grifting on that to make money. They're exploiting you. 
They're exploiting this country, and everyone besides the grifters lose. And that's powerful to me to see that. Because they don't give a flying fuck about you or me or anybody else. They give a fuck about power. They give a fuck about money, which buys power. And then all the little people sucking on their teeth down on the below them get to bicker about this and go on Twitch and stream and do what I'm doing right now, perhaps. I don't know. But maybe we should focus on people that seem to be invested in bridging divides and seeing past differences. Maybe we should be more invested in those folks and the folks that get off on seeing us divided and full of hate. And it's pretty fucking obvious when someone is driven by making people hate one another. And God damn, it's profitable. God damn, because we have, we have this capacity to hate the other. We have this tribalism within us. It's part of our DNA. And it can be hacked and exploited so easily. We've seen it happen. Hitler did it. The, 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 the government after 9-11 did it, made us hate everybody who was fucking brown. It's insane. We've seen it, and we get hijacked into it. It takes a level of mindfulness and groundedness to see that and feel that within yourself, feel that draw to hatred within yourself, and stomp it the fuck out. That is so much harder to do than hate. Hating is fucking easy. It's the easiest thing you can do. But noticing it, bringing awareness to it, and dissolving that shit, and not letting it take over and hijack your neurology, that's brave. That's hard. That's the hard thing that defines character. Not lifting weights or killing stuff or shooting guns, whatever the fuck it is. Whatever the fuck the antiquated like faux masculinity crowd wants you to make, it, make you believe it is. Finding hate in yourself, seeking to understand why, and dissolving that shit is harder and braver than tactical firearms, hunting, manual labor. But it's not as trendy. It's not as sexy. It doesn't get as many clicks. It's not what people want to hear. It's not as profitable. So let's just like think about that. Let's view, let's see that for what it is. When one little line like that can spark outrage and do whatever and shit, maybe it's all a psyop. Maybe it is. We sure are fucking distracted right now. We sure aren't holding the powerful to account right now. We're being played. We are being played. And you're better than that. I think that you're better than that. I think that I'm better than that. I'm raising my child to be better than that. I think my wife is better than that. I think my friends are better than that. And when someone comes out, like this dude, um, Josh Trent is his name. He does uh, like some self-help thing or whatever. Um, when he slides in my DMs and just starts calling Democrats pussies and all this other shit, which I'm not afraid of calling somebody a pussy, but let's be real. That motherfucker's not the person to call people pussies. You know what I'm saying? When you have these people coming in and sliding your DMs being like, yeah, these fucking pussies, they just want to take over and do this. Let's have a nuanced conversation about it here. Right? 
maybe you're being intellectually weak, but also demonstrating some kind of virtue to your audience or your crowd. While the hate slips in and plays you, the ego slips in and plays you because you know down deep that dividing people and making them hate each other is profitable. So by that standard, who's the pussy? Right? Who's the pussy? I don't know. Now it's time for that part of the show where I give you something to think about. It's going to be a quick one today. I've got one question for you. I've got one question for you. Where are you captured? We've been talking a lot about reductionist one-liner thinking and divisiveness and all of those things, right? And we've seen this. We've seen this in media where audiences are captured by CNN or Fox or Newsmax or whoever, right? And they wanted to get fed that red meat, whatever they need. It's always provided for them because the hatred is, is abundant and profitable. So the question is, what I want you to think about, it's fucking short this week. Where are you captured? Where are you caught in reductionist bullshit? And if you have recognized that in yourself and made a change and embraced nuance and broadened your perspectives a little bit, share that with me. Let me know. Drop it on the comments on Instagram. But that's it. This is for you. You got a lot of fodder now after this episode. So where are you captured? Let me know. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. It's too fucking pretty of a day. I've been dealing with a sick baby. Was cooped up in the house. It's 70 degrees and sunny. And I'm going to play fucking golf, guys. It's Thursday. I'm getting this podcast out. and I'm making a tea time. I love you. Keep your head on straight. Don't let the bastards get you down. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.